first of all, I just wanted to say that that's totally right as uh, Kelly prayed because actually what I feel from um, and as I prepared for the preach today is from the Lord was actually just things that he's really speaking to us about anyway um, and that he just keeps coming back to things where he just really wants us to focus and kind of respond to him. So you'll find out more about that in a minute. Um, as we were worshipping, the Lord just said to me to ask you, um, what adventures have you had with God this week? What adventures have you had with him? And um, I don't want you to kind of, kind of come up and answer me now, but I just want you to think about it. You know, what has my journey been? What has my adventure been with Jesus this week? I felt the Lord was saying, you know, sometimes there's amazing things happen. You know, amazing doors open or whatever it might be, something might happen. But other times, it's just that there are times where he's come along and he's challenged. You know, we're perhaps walking one way and then the Lord sort of challenges us and says, are you sure you've got the right attitude there? Or have you, are you sure that you're, that's the right path? Or go and bless that person or whatever it might be. You know, a sort of counter, a counter turn to what you, the direction you were going in. They're all part of the adventure of walking with God each week. And I felt that God was just wanted me to say that to you, to say, just think about what adventures you've had this week. What adventures are you going to have next week? Be open to it. Um, when, you, when that happens to you, just open up to God. Acknowledge him. Acknowledge him in his ways for you, in all your paths, okay? They're the things that are going to be happening. You, each one of you, are going to have some kind of, event, of adventure Okay, intervention of God, something of God will come into what you're doing each week. And that might be small, it might be big, but even the small things, it's God in it. Okay, and just acknowledging that you're on that path, that journey, that adventure with God, where if you hadn't taken any notice of Him, you would have just gone down in that direction. But because He intervened and because you heard His voice, you went that way and you brought the kingdom in. So they're all adventures for God. Amen. Okay, now I just wanted to start by giving you a bit of a testimony um, about something that's been happening in our family, um, and it, do, it is kind of pertinent to what I want to talk about today. Um, a few weeks ago, um, uh, our granddaughter, Sophie, she, um, she was nearing the end of her pregnancy, um, which was to be kind of the end of this of September, and... Um, she went to, I think there were some issues maybe kind of when she had, um, they were sort of just checking the heart or something and they were kind of a bit concerned. So she went and had a scan at Queen Elizabeth Hospital and basically what they said is they were really concerned about the heart. They felt the baby's legs weren't growing, it was very small. Uh, we knew it was a he, we knew it was a he. Um, his legs were really small, um, and that um, they basically said that um, the heart was the wrong way round, and the the um, valves, um, etc., were in the wrong places, and all that kind of stuff. And they were really concerned about the baby. Um, and um, so she told us this, and I shared it with our with our leadership team. But straight away, what God said to me was um, that. Um, the circumstances um, kind of in the whole family weren't perhaps the most perfect, you know, like everything's got to be perfect. 
God just said to me, it's not always perfect, but actually I'm there with him. I'm there with him. And um, straight away I just felt a real sense of peace. I felt that um, the baby knew the voice of God, that the Lord was with him in the womb. And um, as I said, I just felt really peaceful about it. I felt God was saying, I've created him, I know him. You know, and and that was it really. As mu- as far as um, it kind of s- it was for me was that I just knew that God was in it, and God was with him and knew him really well. Um, and then uh, so that carried on, and um, she eventually what they they kind of looked again, and they were still concerned. Um, <coughs> Just touch when you need it. That's it. Um, so she ended up going to King's because QE wanted that checked. And when she went to King's, that was the following week, um, uh, they basically said, no, there's nothing wrong. The baby's fine. Um, you know, he may be a bit, bit small, but his heart, there's nothing wrong with his heart whatsoever. It's not in the wrong place. You know, it's not turned around, all that kind of stuff. And you know what? I, I just thought, I, you know, as far as from their point of view, it's kind of, oh, they made a mistake at Queen Elizabeth. I don't think they made a mistake. That's too big a thing to make a mistake about. So the following week, by the following week, his heart was in the right place. It was, it was kind of working okay. They still had some concerns, and going with um, Queen Elizabeth, then they um, they did another scan, and they thought he wasn't breathing very well, and that also the placenta wasn't working very well either, and it was breaking down, and they were really concerned about that. Um, she had another scan, and um, w- the, what they found was that was in a few days after that. And again, they found that that wasn't a problem. He was breathing okay, and the placenta was all fine, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I just felt all the way along, God's mir- miraculous hand has been upon this. Now, you know, I can't verify that. You know, I can't say almost oh, definitely that's happened, but it just, you know, that is to me, it's totally of God that that has all changed around for him. And then. Um, then they um, they were just concerned about his growth, so they kind of kept looking at that and um, uh, kind of concerned about that. So in the end, what happened was that the week before last, when she went back, they said, "Look, we're really concerned. You know, we think he's very small. We're just worried about the birth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we're going to induce you." So um, uh, he didn't want to come though, because it took ages. <laughs> um, uh, but he was born. So. I just want to show you a picture of him, little Oliver, and he's perfect. He's small, but he's perfect. He hasn't got little legs, his heart's fine, and um, I wanted to put a little bit of a video on there because he kind of moves around and everything. He seems very alert. Um, we had Carl's last week, so we haven't met him. We're going to meet him today. Um, but I just wanted to give testimony to that. I just really believe that God was in that birth. Um, it didn't matter what was going on, you know, all the circumstances around family and all that kind of stuff. What he said was that he loved this baby, loved this little boy, and that he had created him. He knew him in the womb, 
and that he was going to deal with all these issues. And hallelujah, all these de- issues have been dealt with. Amen. So I'm going to talk today on uh, Nehemiah 9. And um, uh, the passage for today was the end of Nehemiah, which is from verse 25. I'm not going to read it out. Um, but I just want to give you a little bit of context to that passage, okay, and what was happening with Nehemiah. And then I would just want to talk to you about what I felt God was saying from it. Um, uh, and uh, as I said, it's, it's kind of, I was going to say broken record. It sounds like that's a bad thing because it can kind of, that could be a negative connotation. But actually it's, it's really what God is saying for this time for this church and for us. And it just comes back to that. And that's, I just really feel the Lord, uh, when I was asking the Lord about this, he just said, I'm going to keep going on about this until we've got hold of it. Okay. So, um, so me- Nehemiah 9, you know what's happened. We've kind of gone through it the last few weeks. Is that uh, Nehemiah went, he's got people, they've rebuilt the wall, they've kind of overcome their enemies, they've got there, haven't they? They've re- rebuilt the wall. And it's almost kind of like you've finished the project, what happens next? But there actually there was a lot more to do. There was a lot more. It wasn't just about rebuilding the wall. It was much more about spiritual territory, taking back um, the land that, that the locusts eaten, that the enemy had taken, and for the people of Israel to take back spiritually what God had given them right from the beginning. Okay, So there was more to do than just building a wall. It was much more about getting into the right spiritual place and to respond in the right way. And uh, kind of that's probably a little bit something for us as well. And this whole of the chapter is called um, The People Confess Their Sins. And my, um, my kind of title of my preach is that this is a challenge for all of us today. There's a challenge for all of us today um, from this. So at the beginning of the chapter which um, we kind of touched on already, um, they, they all gathered together. They were on the next stage. They built the wall, and now they had to take on the next step, which was to kind of reclaim the spiritual territory. And um, the way they did that was they put on sackcloth and ashes. And uh, we often talk about sackcloth and ashes, don't we? But we don't really see many people walking around in sackcloth and ashes today, do we? Um, but I just thought I would just kind of te- say again about what that is all about. Um, it was used in the Old Testament quite a lot, and it was kind of um, a way of someone really showing that they wanted to get right with God. They were really repentant. They wanted to get rep- um, right with God, and um, often was used in times of mourning. You know, where they just really needed to kind of depend on God again or they were repenting, or it might be a bit of both. Um, And it was very public as well. It's not something they just did at home. They didn't sit at home in their sackcloth and ashes and just kind of got on with it with them and God. It was a very public thing, okay, which is something that um, was happening here in this time. And um, often the... The um, sackcloth, the reason they wore it is because it's really hard and coarse. You know what a sack is like? A, you don't really see them so much nowadays, do you? But they're really coarse. They're really like coarse kind of fibres. And so if they wore that, it was kind of like really coarse on, against the skin. It wasn't like a nice piece of clothing. 
that kind of fitted beautifully and that felt good. It was actually there to kind of remind them that and to to say I'm just I just want to really humble myself before God. I'm nothing before God. Um, so they would use that um, to wear. And then the ashes, often they would just kind of smear themselves in ashes and their face and their heads or put ashes on their head, which was kind of a, sig- a signal again um, to signify that they, um, they knew that they were nothing, that, they had, that their pride had gone, that they, um, that they were just laid low by the Lord, they, they acknowledged the hand of the Lord in their lives and that they wanted to change their lives. So they were kind of waiting on God to change the direction of their lives and it was kind of very public. So at the beginning of this chapter, the all, what it says is all the people <coughs> there kind of came together and they confessed their sins together and the sins of their ancestors. Um, and it starts off um, uh, right from, kind of right through the whole chapter, um, talking about what happened, where how God's hand was on their people, their ancestors from Adam. Okay, and then it kind of goes through all what happened in Genesis and Moses, and it kind of carries on um, to the time that they were taken away, and then they came uh, into Babylon. Um, that they were all prisoners and then they all came back and they rebuilt Jerusalem. So it kind of goes through that whole thing. Um, (coughs) So what was happening here was they were taking spiritual territory and they they were taking, it was a new day, they were taking the spiritual territory again, they were having new beginnings, okay, they were repenting, kind of moving from that low place but they were waiting on God and waiting to move into the higher place, the place of strength with God. And um, I just want to say to you that with God, there's always new beginnings. You know, when you look through in a minute, when we go through this a little more, you'll see that so often their ancestors had plenty, then they mucked up, then they had plenty, and then they mucked up, then they had plenty, and they mucked up. You know, it always kind of went wrong. But every time God came and he gave them plenty again, he rescued them again because he was just really kind. He's very loving. And that's what they recognized. And for us, okay, there's no difference. It's just different in that we have Jesus now, okay? We have Jesus. And for any of us who kind of feel, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried and I keep, I get a few weeks, then I've tried again, I muck up and then I try again. God says there's always new beginnings, and that's what they recognised here. They recognised that were new beginnings. So, <coughs> interestingly, what it says is that a quarter of the day, they read the word, and they wouldn't have sat and read their Bibles. They would have been read to by the Levites. So, I was working out. I think I've worked this out, right? Six hours. And then a quarter of the day they spent in confession and worship. And that's what I want to kind of major on today. I want to talk about worship and confession. Okay, and about fellowship. So another six hours they spent just worshipping God, confessing their sins, confessing the sins of their ancestors. And then in verse 5 it says that what happened is the Levites prayed. And the way they prayed 
is that they really started off praying, as you read through the chapter, they were just recognising the greatness of God, the amazingness of God. They just worshipped God and they just acknowledged him that everything, everything was of him. Everything was of his ways. And the, so first they lifted that hymn up and kind of just said how amazing he was. And then they kind of started to confess their sins and kind of acknowledge what happened and how things had gone wrong and ask God's forgiveness. Now, that's a bit of a parallel to me to the Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Kind of the Lord's Prayer is a bit like that if you look at it. It kind of talks, first of all, the way that Jesus told us was that he tells us to acknowledge the greatness of God the kingdom of God, thank you. And then, then it goes on to us confessing our sins, okay, and forgiving people. So it's kind of a real parallel. Um, and then I'm just going to point out some verses to you. Verse 17, it says um, that God was gracious or is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger, abounding in love and not in loving kindness. I'm just going to say that again because I just feel this really, in a nutshell, this comes to me all the, word, all the time when I'm thinking about the Lord, this, this particular verse. And again, it's about us having the word of God in our hearts that just come to recollection at certain times. God is gracious and compassionate. He's slow to anger and he's abounding in loving kindness. Okay, He's not just loving us, he's actually loving kindness to us so everything towards us is about love and about kindness and so that everything we receive from God whether sometimes it's like get this right or other times well done good and faithful servant it's all about loving kindness and then in verse 25 it says um, this is this pattern that I was talking about um, that it goes through the history it says the people were given a great abundance okay so when going back to Moses, they were given great abundance. They were kind of, when uh, Joshua took over, they took land, remember? And they took cities and God gave them everything. So they had great abundance and they grew fat, kind of fat, fat probably physically and spiritually and in every way. And what happened, and this is what we have to be careful about, when everything's going well, they started to revel in their own greatness, I've got that job, you know, I've got this really good job or this has happened or I've got this or I've got that because of me, what I did, my hard work, what I did and all that kind of stuff, okay? And that's something we have to be really careful about. Um, and um, what they didn't do, they, they started to less and less acknowledge that it was from God. And then as they started to less and less acknowledge that it was God and worship him, then they came into times of disobedience and they sort of turned their back on God. Even to the extent, and if you read, as you read the history of your Bible in the Old Testament, um, that God would send prophets to them, Jonah, people like that. And what did they do? They just wouldn't listen. And sometimes they just killed them. Sometimes they just threw them out. And uh, there's a parable, isn't it? parable in the New Testament. Jesus talks about this, about the landowner and him sending people along. Yep, that's all about that. So they just didn't listen. They were too fat, too full of plentitude. And it's, this is always a difficulty, isn't it? God really wants us to bless us. 
He really wants, he's compassionate, he wants to give us his loving kindness. But at the same time, because of our kind of nature really, is we kind of get into that place of, oh well, I can just rest then, I can just be lazy. I don't have to acknowledge God. So that's what happened. So we're no different to anything in the past. (coughs) And then in verse 26, it talks about the people in the past, not Nehemiah's people, that they became disobedient and rebelled against God. Now, yeah, it's okay to live in abundance. You know, we want to live in abundance. We want to live in the abundant blessing of God. But we do need to acknowledge that it comes from God. And we need to know, and we need to acknowledge that God has delivered us from the hands of the enemy. So that's the kind of key thing that we really have to hold on to. Yeah, we want to thirst, you know, we want to be, we want to live in God's abundance because that's what it's all about. He wants us to live in the place that he's created and, and under the Holy Spirit. But at the same time, we need to acknowledge him in all our ways. And we need to keep God close. And then in verse 27 to 31, uh, the people cried out and God had compassion for them and gave them deliverers. Now that happens, it talks about it, if you read this chapter, you'll get a synopsis of the Bible or the Old Testament story of the people of Israel in one go. But basically that's what, that was the pattern throughout the Old Testament is that they would get be kind of rich and abundant then they would get taken into captivity or something would happen you know like in Moses times they were under the Egyptians and then God would free them and give them a new place and he would give he would raise up people to deliver them as well and that's what happened um what they acknowledged the people in Nehemiah is what they acknowledged is that Lord, we know that's happened so many times and we recognise that. We recognise that you were patient with us, that, you know, we, we, we recognise that this has happened so many times, but we want to make this new start. And like I said, uh, they recognise that with God there's always a new start, okay? It doesn't matter how many times you failed, God will always bear with you. They recognise that. They recognise that God would bear with them. And give them a new start. And that's what happened there. And so um, they prayed together. They said, Lord, you... They, they worshipped the Lord. And they said, you have acted faithfully. But it's our us and our ancestors that have a- acted wickedly. And they, they responded together. It was a kind of corporate thing. It wasn't little people going off and doing all this. This was all together. They responded together and they agreed together to live God's way um, from that that day on and to follow his laws. And the way they did this was, as I said, they worshipped They and they spent a long time. It wasn't just like half an hour in a service. It was a long time listening to the word and then responding confessing their sin together and confessing their sin before God and it was very public now I think um, first of all and I'll come back to this in a minute that kind of way of living kind of being kind of almost like in sackcloth and ashes kind of sit you know if we went and sat outside in the car park with our sackcloth and ashes on uh, people would think we were very very strange 
But actually, it is the way God wants us to live. He wants us to live in a way that um, we are repentant and um, we are open to being repentant, okay? Open to being repentant. And the way that we live our lives together is a way that, um, that we are able to worship God. We're able to confess our sins, confess where we've got things wrong and um, have a, a fellowship where there's always new beginnings. That's what Woolwich Community Church is about, to tell you. And to, as leaders, we just want to kind of keep kind of reinforcing God's loving kindness, that he will always give you, he will always give me a new beginning. And I muck up lots of times. And it's a bit counter to the world, isn't it? You know, some of you will know this. Um, you don't like to show that you've got things wrong. We've got quite a few leaders at the moment in the world arena who don't like to show that they've got things wrong, do they? There's, there's never a sorry, I got that wrong, nothing like that. You've got to show if you're kind of a leader or kind of on display to the public, you have got to show that you're right and that, that you didn't get anything wrong. So it, you don't want to show any weakness. It's kind of like if you do that, you're showing a bit of weakness. So it, we don't want to be seen as being weak, sort of showing that we're repentant or we're sorry, sitting out there in our ashes and sackcloth. <coughs> but you know what? God's story is, this is God's story. He loves lifting us from the miry clay. That's what he loves doing. He loves picking us up cleaning us down, setting our feet on the ground again and saying, off you go, off you go. That's what he's about. That's what our God is like. He loves it. And it's when we can start, when we start worshipping, we can start to realise how amazing he is and how he loves giving us new starts, how he loves just getting hold of us and setting us down again and cleaning us up. So when I was reading this, um, two passages came to mind. I just wanted to share them with you. The first one was James 5 and verse 16. It says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous person can accomplish much. Now, um, the way I see this, how this works is that when... When there's times when we fall into sin, when we don't understand that we're falling into sin, I understand. You know that's that's the way God is. There's things that are going to be displeasing to God, but sometimes we don't realise that it's displeasing to God. And I'm sure for many of you who've been on a journey with Jesus, that when you first became a Christian, there might be some areas of your life that you didn't realise that God, it wasn't God's way. Okay, and it came to you later. As you continue to worship God, as you continue to be open to him, then that opened to you and you thought, actually, Lord, yeah, that's not what you want me to be like. But there are times when God opens up things to us and shows us that that's not the what he wants in our lives. And we kind of almost kind of, Lord, I'm sorry, if I have to deal with that, everyone's going to know or um, um, I just can't do it, I haven't got the strength, or what's going to happen? I'm fit, I'm scared. If I do that, what's going to happen? <coughs> and, that's what, and that's often the way for us, isn't it? And certainly it's a way for me. 
Um, and at that point, it's almost like we're making a choice. We're making a choice not to get things right because God is actually prodding us and saying, you need to be dealing with this. And at that point, I believe it's almost like God, he, he's with us, but it's almost like he can't be so close to us. Can you kind of imagine like with a child, you know, if you've got a child, your ch- child, and you can have this really deep relationship with them, but if you say to them, look, you shouldn't have, I don't know, um, kicked the door or something, and they continue to do it all the time, they're just not listening to you, it's difficult to be quite as loving to them, to be quite so close to them, isn't it? And that's what it's like, a bit like with God. So it's almost like he has to take his hand away a bit. And I think this is what James is kind of talking about here. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Okay, Because it's when we start to confess, is as we start to open up to one another, is that God can start to intervene and he can actually do these things. I mean, it can be healing in kind of a physical healing way because there's more of his Holy Spirit around. But the, the, if, we, if we kind of don't confess our sins, if we don't deal with our sins, then the Holy Spirit can't be so present. And so we're not going to see so much amazing, so many amazing things happening. We're not going to be kind of healed in our own lives, both spiritually, mentally and physically. Um, and also we're not going to see so much of the fire of the Holy Spirit um, bringing amazing supernatural change to people's lives that we meet. So it's really important. <coughs> I just wanted to just say again, though, God doesn't send sort of illnesses or things to us to punish us, okay? Often it's just a case that if we continue, if he brings things to recognition in our hearts and minds and we choose not to deal with it, then it's almost like he has to say, well, I'm just going to take a step back. I'm just going to take my hand off a bit. And sometimes when that happens, then things are going to happen to us. Not so nice things. It always gives room to the enemy. And also, if we continue like that, we kind of start to get really weighed down by our sins. It just means you're kind of walking for a bit like treacle. It's kind of like, you know, the more that you just don't deal with these things, the more it weighs you down and holds you back. Nehemiah and the people were a really good example of that. They had to fight really hard to take forward what God had told them. They weren't going to walk around in the old ways, the old sort of like kind of sinful ways. They got out of that and they decided to listen to God and do what he wanted, but it wasn't easy. So... I would suggest, and this is what I felt as soon as I read the passage in Nehemiah, is that actually part of our lifestyle as a church is that we are people who are able to confess our sins to God, but also confess our sins to one another. And I don't mean that by saying, right, okay, Kelly, I'll say, I'll pick on Kelly, because although she's our pastor, you know, she's not totally perfect quite yet. Um, she, I wouldn't say to Kelly, come up here and confess everything before this congregation. I don't mean that. But I do mean a level of transparency and a level of... And it almost is a commitment to us to be in fellowship. Because obviously, you know, we want to uh, be open to people. But we're not going to be open to every single person. If we don't know you very well, we're not going to be open to that. But 
is kind of quite clear that there's something about publicly confessing sin, maybe not right at the middle of the church, but probably before other people or before someone else, that is kind of quite a strong statement and something that God wants. And this is what James is talking about. In John 13, Jesus said as well, So now I'm going to give you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And this is about, what I'm talking about is about loving one another. Because love kind of covers those sins. It's not about being, what, you did that? How could you? I can't talk to you anymore. It's not that kind of thing, is it? You're doing it with confessing to one another so that we can love one another, so that we can get in deeper relationship together, that we can know the goodness of God's healing upon our lives and forgiveness upon our lives together. That's what it's all about. And as I was thinking about this more, I just felt that's why I read that passage about what Jesus said, because actually it's this kind of discipline or discipleship lifestyle that actually is going to change the world. It's not about, you know, it is about, but it's only partially about going out and doing all these wonderful things outside. It's about what's happening within that is going to change the world. It's, it's kind of how we respond and how we shake off this thing about that we, can't, we show that we're weak or that we're not totally perfect and that we sometimes, and I think this is for leaders, particularly in churches, sometimes we have to learn to say, Actually, I need to step back, come off leadership for a while and sort my life out before I carry on trying to lead this church or whatever it might be. And that's why for a number of leaders, particularly kind of quite high leaders, there's a, there's a lot of pressure to get it right. And if you don't kind of get it right, then other things happen and they have to step down and things are uncovered. God does uncover sin. Okay, so it is. It's kind of quite a calling, and it is quite. It is a lifestyle that God is calling to us too, in this area, and um, it's just we need to be open to Him. We need to be open to one another. But part of that is about learning to worship together, and it's learning to fellowship and trust one another, and then we can kind of really follow what James says. So, what stops us kind of confessing to one another? Well. First of all, it's obviously someone we need to trust. Um, you know, and it doesn't say that we don't confess to God, but sometimes it just is that extra step by confessing to one another, and I'll say about a bit more about that in a minute. Um, it means that we have to become a bit vulnerable, but I think God wants us to become vulnerable. That's the whole point. God became nothing. Jesus became nothing for us okay, to go on the cross to go to the cross he became nothing he gave up everything for us so god's way counter way of living is not the world's way it's about becoming vulnerable um and it means admitting that we need help and we really have to really turn because everything we live in we live in the world and the world says don't show that you're weak don't admit that you've gone got it wrong don't sort of say that things are going wrong in your life, okay? And because you're going to feel uncomfortable, people are going to remember that forever, yeah? It's that kind of thing. And so we, don't, we just don't feel that we can uncover these things. Then there's also a fear of gossip. You know, if I tell so-and-so this, 
they're going to go and tell so-and-so that, and this is going to happen, and that's going to happen. But it's not. You know, that's the whole point. This is, so I just want to say, we're not going to have gossip. And I don't, I think, I think, I feel, having been in this church for a long time, we don't really have gossip about things that are going on. The people who need to know and are pri- uh, need to know because they're praying, okay? Um, and the, it doesn't kind of get gossiped around. And that's something as a leadership team we've always tried to adhere to and to always um, agree with people if things are said, who's that shared with. So um, if, we get, if we're not doing that, come and tell us because I think we really don't want that to happen. We want people to feel safe in this. And also there's a last thing, which is us, really, which is a, it's a bit of a cop-out, isn't it? We can kind of live, carrying on living, because no one actually knows that God's talking to me about this thing that I need to deal with. And no one knows about that. I can just do it when I want. I can deal with, with when I want. And I can just talk to God. I don't tell, need to tell someone else. Because if I told Kelly, then she'd be on my case. I know she's on my case on a lot of things. So she'd be on my case. Tanya, have, how have you got on with that thing? How's it going? Has God kind of really got kind of got that out of your life have you really confessed your sin whatever it might be okay it's accountability yeah exactly and I think that's why James speaks in this way and this is immediate as I said this is immediately what I thought of as I read this passage I think God is saying to us think about this he wants us to be accountable to one another um so don't lock yourself behind behind a spiritual facade and this is really where it's coming back to what Pastor Kelly has been uncovering and has been saying for a while now you know now is the time for us to get spiritually clean this is what God's saying to us you know and he's saying to us get into our houses and clean up our houses clean up the temple of our lives and there might be there are things in our lives I'm sure that no one else knows about but God is on your case. You know that God's on your case. And he wants you to deal with. And I just felt, as I was praying, uh, praying about this today, God said to me to remind you of that. To remind you of that. It's okay. He wants you, but he wants you to confess to one another. To be um, to submitted to one another. To not just carry on thinking, oh, you'll sort it out tomorrow. He wants it sorted out now. Okay, if he's speaking to you, he wants it sorted out now. And he, he wants it to encourage you because he, I felt he was saying this is the ministry of this church is to be a place where you can confess your sin without gossip, without recrimination, but just with hope, the knowing, the loving kindness of God. And that's why worship is so important in this place. It's so important because it's got to be done in the context of worshipping God. It's not about us coming along or you talking to someone out of the context of worshipping God and acknowledging that whatever it might be, that God's in it and God's speaking. And he's, uh, he's, uh, he's revealing it for a purpose. He's revealing it because he wants you to get even into a better place. He wants you to be healed. He wants to put his hand upon you even deeper and even more greatly. He wants you to be running alongside him. He doesn't want to be kind of standing 
aside from you. He wants you to be running with him. And that's what God is speaking to us. So that's about part of what we need to be seeking is about peace and unity and love for one another, a transparency and openness and a, a, a choice to be accountable. And um, we all, we can do that. It could be individual, but it can be a kind of team level as well. And I was just was thinking, Lord, God just reminded me of this. There was something a couple of weeks ago that as a leadership team we decided. And um, then the trustees, one of the trustees said, hang on, I think that really we should be involved in that. You know, our trustees are people who are just making sure everything's done properly and rightly. Um, they, they're kind of, they're, they're really the kind of, the, the auditors almost, kind of checking everything's done properly and rightly and that things are done as per the law and that everything's respected in terms of what happens here in church. And they, this, the, one of the trustees said this. Now, we could have reacted and said, no, I don't think you're right. No, 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 we're the leadership team. But you know what? We as a team kind of chose to say to God, well, have we got this wrong? Um, what can we do better next time? And to say sorry, Okay. I think that's a good thing, and we want to encourage that in church, um, that if we get things wrong, um, that we can say to each other. But the good thing it was done, it wasn't said as, I'm having a go at you. It was said in a place of love. It was a said in a place of, we're all in this together, and we just want to get this right together. And I think that's the way that we need to respond. Okay, We want everything that is said that... God says to us and what we say to each other and how we support each other needs to be for the ultimate end that God give us, gives us all new beginnings and that actually all of us deserve to be sitting, sitting in sackcloth and ashes really because we are nothing, okay? It's God who raises us up, okay? But the, you know the exciting thing is that God wants to raise us up. He wants individually to do amazing things in our lives, and he is doing amazing things in our lives. There's more to come, and that's why he's on the case about dealing with uncovered sin and secret sin, okay? And so, again, I just want to finish and say, God is, he's, God is holy. He hates sin. And if he's speaking to you, and he's speaking to Woolwich, about sin and about dealing with things. It's because he's on our case. It's a great thing. It's actually a wonderful thing. And that's what happened with Nehemiah and the people. It was great that all this happened. They probably hadn't really thought about this before, but suddenly they spent hours reading the word, confessing together, getting right with God, worshipping, and that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to get right with him because he's got a new challenge for us. He's taking us on to the next step. And he, he is... Part of what we're doing is bringing the kingdom in. in. We're, not, we're changing around the way that the world works. You know, in Woolwich Community Church, it's not the way the world works, okay? It's about what God wants to do and God's way of doing things, which is about relying on one another, about being transparent and open with one another, but also being in a place of safety. So 
I just want to thank God that we're in this place. I thank God that we've been reading through Nehemiah and it's not just about building. We have got the sort of building finding team, but it's not just about building. It's about much more about our own temples and then the tent that God's created in this place together. And he wants it to be a holy place. And this is an amazing time because God just keeps coming back to the same thing. And I think while he does keep coming back to the same thing, is that some of us have already got to respond. And I know it's tough. I know it's tough. Okay? Because we kind of feel, well, we want to sort it out. And if I uncover this, it looks really bad because I've been living with this for ages. It doesn't, you know, it's, it's fine. God just says, I just want to break it. It's time now is to break this thing. You are walking in Myri clan. I just want to get you out of it. I want to get you cleaned up. And there is so much more that I have for you. But while you hold on to it, and while I keep reminding you and you're keeping it secret, then it's not going to change. So I just thank God so much for that. It sounds like really harsh, but it's quite amazing because God loves us so much. He, i just read that bit again. Just remember this about God. God is gracious. He's compassionate. Okay, He's not like a wilden big stick. He is slow to anger. Okay, That's why he's abiding with you and abiding with me. And he's abounding. That means he's just full of it, full of loving kindness to you. As we worship, just hold up the things that God is speaking to you about and just let him kind of come into those places. And I asked Kelly today if we could just spend some time worshipping. We've got some of the leaders here as well. Or there might be someone else that you just feel, you just know that you need to speak to someone and repent of something with that person, okay, so that you are accountable so that they're with you, they're standing with you, because you, you want to move on to the next thing. Okay, you want to ne- move on to the next thing with God. So, Lord, I just want to pray that um, you would uncover this in the right way, Lord Jesus. I just Thank you for listening to our podcast today. You may have been a Christian for a long time, or you may be exploring the possibilities of a relationship with God. Wherever you are in your journey of life, please feel free to contact us at Woolwich Community Church if you would like any further information on today's message. We will be happy to talk with you, pray with you and help you in any way we can. Please see the information below in our bio on how to get in touch with us. Have a blessed week and God bless.